What's up, everybody? It's the Power Rankings Podcast, a.k.a. the Power Rankings Show. I'm your host, Elliot Harrison. I'm pleased to be joined with a uh, very opinionated, uh, doing a lot of data today, uh, at Marcus underscore Mosher, fresh off a of Cowboys impressive win. Marcus, how are you, sir? Yeah, good teams win, great teams cover, Elliot. I'm doing very, very well this morning. So offline, Marcus and I were just arguing. Uh, I'll give you all basically the uh, premise of the argument. Uh, by the way, if you didn't see, the Cowboys did beat the Titans uh, Thursday night. They kind of held on. They kind of half lucked out. They were clearly the better team on the field. They got some penalties that went their way for all the people that swear the refs are against the Cowboys. They certainly weren't on Thursday night. Uh, and some dropped Titans pass, just some bad Titans football really just helped definitely. Dallas yeah. out yep. when Dallas, because it really was not, would it be fair to say that was not an impressive effort by the Cowboys? I'd C minus effort, C effort, maybe? Um, C plus? Yeah, I, I don't know. It's They didn't play particularly well, but you don't apologize for wins in the NFL, right? Especially no. double digit wins. But it was one of those. If you were looking for them to be dominant and just completely blow the Titans off the field, it wasn't one of those games. But no, they, the Cowboys had control the whole game. The Titans were playing a quarterback that only had been there for eight days. And he's barely, he's not like Baker Mayfield, who started on two days for the Rams. Baker Mayfield's got, gosh, Marcus, how many career starts? You know, 60, 70 yeah. career starts. Josh yeah. Dobbs has barely played since he's been in the league. Uh, the Titans receivers were terrible. On yeah. Thursday night, they did not help him out. One of my favorite players in the league, Robert Woods, had some drops. It was bad. Um, anyway, Cowboys won the game. But Marcus and I were arguing. Marcus is always looking for data to make Ezekiel Elliott look bad. And it's not true. It's not true. Ezekiel Elliott is not a player that Marcus likes. Uh, it's not true. I am not a huge Ezekiel Elliott guy. I don't think he's like one of the greats in Cowboys history necessarily. I think he's a good player. But I think he's been unfairly bagged on. And uh, so Marcus's point is that Tony Pollard's a way better player, should be on the field a lot more, and the Cowboys can't afford to be giving Ezekiel Elliott the ball anymore. So that's kind of what we were talking about. Uh, go ahead, Marcus. Lay out your lay out your case for how uh, bad he That's sucks. not exactly the way it went. So uh, Cowboys, uh, they're sitting at 12-4. and four. They're going to likely play Tampa Bay in round one of the playoffs. And the argument that I was making to Elliot is with Tony Pollard probably going to miss next week's game because they're going to rest him. They want him fresh for the playoffs with his status being uncertain as a free agent. Like I'm not sure if the Cowboys are going to have enough cap to bring him back. I would ride him in the playoffs if I'm Dallas. Like I'm, I'm making him the featured back. Let Ezekiel Elliott handle the goal line, the short yardage stuff, but basically any of the neutral game touches, I want Pollard on the field because that's the guy that Tampa Bay is going to be afraid of. They're, he's the one that can bust off big plays. He's the one that can take a flare route 35 yards for a touchdown. I think Tampa Bay is going to love every snap that Tony Pollard's not on the field. So I want to see Pollard in a big role for the Cowboys in the playoffs and beyond. That's the tamed watered down version of how Marcus usually talks about Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, but that, that is the gist of your point. Yes. Um, I think Tony Pollard's a very good football player. 
really good football player. And I know I'm going to be in the minority. And for, you know, I, I imagine most of our podcast listenership uh, plays fantasy. Uh, I know we have a lot of Cowboy fans that listen to our podcast just because Marcus obviously has a Cowboys podcast. I'm from Dallas. So we, we have a you know sizable number of Cowboy fans. Um, I realize Cowboy fans are not going to side with me on this. Um, and it's going to sound really arrogant what I have to say, but it's just the truth. There's a dichotomy that's going on in sports where analytics is um, gotten bigger and deserves to get bigger, deserves to get bigger. There's a lot of smart parts of analytics, but analytics people get really angry when football people don't take them seriously. And other analytics people go on Twitter and they bag on football people for being dumb. And so what happens? Well, the big criticism I think there is of analytics people is that they're not watching the game on the field or they don't understand situational football. And the toll, if you've never played sports, a physical sport like hockey or football or lacrosse, uh, sports where you take a lot of contact, sometimes you don't realize how tough it can be. And the reason I'm saying all this is because um, – the kinds of plays that Ezekiel Elliott gets are very hard on the body, extremely hard. And Tony Pollard just frankly isn't asked to do those things. So when Tony Pollard's in the game, he's fresh. Marcus mentioned Tony Pollard's three starts. They were outstanding. What were his numbers for his three starts? What he averaged about six yards a carry, about a hundred yards a game. I, right. Even a little bit, even a little bit more than that. I think it was like seven yes. yards a carry. I, I'll, I'll just read you the three starts that he had this year uh, against Chicago. 14 carries, 131 yards, three touchdowns, one catch for 16 yards. Against Green Bay, 22 carries for 115 yards and a touchdown, three catches for 13 yards. And then against the Colts, 12 carries for 91 yards and two touchdowns and then two catches for 15 yards. Yeah, these are really good games, to Marcus' point. These are high-quality high starts. I just went and looked just for, you know, Marcus is a big numbers person. So I went and looked. Green Bay, 27th ranked run defense. Chicago, 30th ranked run defense. The Colts, the 20th ranked defense. If you add those up and divide by three, that's 77 divided by three, okay? You're basically looking at an average of about a 26th ranking on run defense for those three teams. Also, Tony Pollard was averaging probably about eight or nine carries a game coming into those games. He's fresh. He's not getting any goal line work. He's not getting any third and a foot. When every freaking giant defensive tackle and linebacker knows you're getting the ball and you've got to try to eke out one yard, he's. I think where Ezekiel Elliott really has been used a lot by Kellen Moore this year is when the Cowboys have a lead in the fourth quarter. They just bang Zeke in there. He runs three times in the line. Last night it happened. And the guys are in the backfield before he's even made three steps. You know, what are you supposed to do? And Make unfortunately, though – you know what? On one of his half-yard runs, he made he a jump cut, then another cut, then a spin move to avoid a three-yard loss just to get a half-yard. Then you have these people who go to PFF, and this is the part where I sound arrogant, and I apologize, but I have to defend the football people a little bit. They go to PFF, they look at their fantasy points, and they're like, God, Ezekiel Elliott stinks, with no understanding of when they're using them. I loved I, – man, I hope the Cowboys play the Bucks or the 49ers – and Zeke can't play, and it's all Pollard. And he's going to see what it's like to get 25 carries and have to bucket up in there when there's eight in the box, and it's second and two, and they need a first down, 
to salt the clock or whatever. And he comes limping off the field because it's really hard. It's really, really hard. And you need those guys. So my point so that I can quit talking here is comparing Tony Pollard to Ezekiel Elliott and, and being derogatory towards Ezekiel Elliott, who his teammates love, who clearly is one of the toughest guys on the team. It's like comparing a defensive tackle to an edge rusher. It's comparing TJ Watt to Vince Wolfork. It's two totally different jobs with two totally different responsibilities. And quite frankly, I think both of them have had outstanding years, but Pollard is the better player there. And my argument the whole time was when we get into these playoff games, I don't think the Cowboys can afford to waste too many early down snaps on Ezekiel. And again, that doesn't mean that I don't want Zeke on there on third and short and on the goal line because he's he is. He's really good as a goal line runner. I saw that last night. But on first and second down, that's when I want Pollard on the field just because he makes their offense that much more dynamic. And with their defense struggling a little bit, they're going to need to score as many points as possible. I think Pollard gives you a better chance of doing that. Well, let me tell you what I got so fired up about here, everybody, because Marcus was saying Malik Davis is clearly better. The dude hasn't played at all. He's got he had 24 carries coming into last night. He's in a national spotlight on a Thursday night game, and he's been told by the coaching staff, you're getting a lot of work. He's an excited kid. He's going to be going through that hole fast. In fact, sometimes hitting the hole too fast isn't good. In, in his case, it worked on a couple of plays, and that's great. Um, you know, I, I, I just – there's so many situations in football that require veteran experience, um, and I, I just think taking a small sample size of Malik Davis and saying he's better than Ezekiel Elliott is a real, well, hold on, real hold on. stretch. To be fair, I said, what I said was it's clear that Davis is quicker and more explosive, and the – Sad part is, is that Davis was a really bad athlete coming out of Florida, and that's the reason why he went undrafted. He ran in the four sixes, not very explosive. It, Zeke looks kind of like a fullback at this stage of his career. There's just no quickness and burst anymore, so he's got to do everything by being tougher and more physical. The problem is, is when you get into some of these big playoff games. You can't, everybody's going to be tough and physical. You got to be able to provide something else. And I think that's where Malik Davis could help them out a little bit. And I, 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 you know, you're such a big Dak Prescott fan. I bet you if Dak was on the podcast right now, he would thoroughly disagree with you a hundred percent. And I bet you what he would say is, yeah, Zeke did have that explosiveness at the beginning of the year, but we have been wearing him and wearing him and wearing him. And at, at, at a certain point, all those hits in obvious running situations take a toll on you. And so you're treating Zico Elliott like he stinks. And then you're giving Tony Pollard a free pass. Tony Pollard has gotten to sit where Zeke hasn't. How about instead of Pollard getting a rest, how about you give Ezekiel Elliott a rest? Well, last... Zeke did have rest. He missed a couple games mid midseason. Because of injury. Yes, because of injury. I say don't play Ezekiel Elliott at all this week. Let him rest. Let him rest. I wish they wouldn't have played him as much last night because you're going to need him against Tampa. You're really going to need him because if you have a lead, who are you salting the clock with? Okay, Pollard, maybe. But if Pollard tries to bounce it outside and use his speed and he doesn't get there. I think that's the bigger thing. I want the lead first. Sure, but 
Marcus, can you at least admit that there's a certain point to this where it's just numbers on a page and you sure, know, I I just think the eye test shows. I mean, listen, we're, we're not debating whether Paul is better than Zeke because you and I both have the same opinion on there. It's just how much should Zeke be a part of the offense in big games? That's the part. I just I see somebody who, to your credit, was I thought he looked really quick and explosive at the beginning of the year, and because he's had so many touches, and really his, his touches are actually way down compared to last year, but his touches over his career, he wears down at the end of the season. And I just, I think you have quite a bit lesser of a player now than you did compared to like week three. He's getting, you know, it's gosh, it's just, it's like comparing Leighton Vander Esch to a corner, you know, Leighton Vander Esch is having to go in there and make tackles in the melee, you know, corners are out there playing on an Island. So often Tony Pollard gets to play out in space. And now, it's just, and it's good. I understand why they're doing it. What I'm arguing is not that Zeke is better. I'm arguing that they play different positions. And the numbers people and the fantasy people, they just look at his numbers and they're not making any account for not just the situational runs. I mean, I literally, I've watched the last few Cowboy games and I see, I feel bad for Zeke because they just used him to grind the clock down and it makes his yards. I'm amazed he's averaging 3.9 yards a carry as many rushes as he's had into obvious rushing situations. I'm amazed, you know, and I, I brought up CJ Spiller to you in a comparison to Tony Pollard. And you said CJ Spiller stunk and CJ Spiller had 1200 yards and six yards of carry one year, but he, he tended to bounce everything because he wanted to break it. I actually think Pollard's going to be a more complete player than him, but don't you think things would go differently if Pollard had 25 touches a game for the whole season? I think he'd be considered the best running back in the NFL. How do you know that? Because that's just the way that, unfortunately, I don't agree with this, but that's just the way that we judge running backs, right? Okay, who has the most rushing yards this year? Okay, that's the best running back, right? Because that was a thought on Jonathan Taylor last year. Hey, Taylor led the NFL in rushing yards. He's now the best running back in the league. I think your hotter take is that you, and we'll get off this kind of, but I think this is a good football debate in general. Your hotter take is that the Cowboys are playing him to justify his contract. That's what you said before we got on the pod. You're basically insinuating the Cowboys want to prove themselves right financially more than they want to win. No, I, I, that's not what I would say. I, they are definitely playing Zeke because they've paid him and they drafted him. I don't think they believe they're playing the lesser player. They're just playing the guy that they hope is going to be good. But it's it's so obvious to everybody else that – the other guy is just so much better. And we've seen this throughout Cowboys history, right? Like Dallas last year was playing Jalen Smith at linebacker and he was atrocious. I mean, he was so bad and they had other guys that were better and younger that they could play, but because they drafted Jalen Smith, because they gave him a big contract, he was playing. And it wasn't until Dan Quinn went to ownership and said, Hey, I cannot play this guy anymore. I, you, I, you cannot make me play him anymore that they finally decided to move on. He went from being a starting linebacker that was playing 100% of snaps to cut the next week. So I know that this happens with the Cowboys. I don't think that's what it is. I don't think Kellen Moore is thinking, I can't play Ezekiel Elliott. I think what the Cowboys are thinking is if we run Tony Pollard to salt away the clock, he might turn an ankle. He might get banged up. He's not built for this, and we need him. And Ezekiel, We need him more than Zeke. 
that's one way to look at it. That's the easy way to look at it. Or it's also possible that Zeke has proven to be able to play hurt. He played the entire last year hurt, and people like you hold it against him. You look at his numbers and his PFF grades. You don't care that he was playing on a bum knee and he was limping off the field like at the game at Washington. You don't factor that in. It's just, hey, he stinks. And I I just, you know, look, I wasn't a professional athlete, but I do know I did play sports. I know what it's like to play hurt. And I just, I'm like, my gosh, you know, like. And he, he's been worse this year than he was last year, which is kind of shocking despite having fewer touches. Uh, okay. Fewer touches or fewer touches per game. That's the key. That's the uh, key. Well, let's see. He was averaging last year. He was averaging 14 carries a game and just about three receptions. This year, he's averaging 16 carries a game and about one catch a game. So it's fairly close, maybe within a, a touch of, or so of each other. Well, he's got 13 starts. Uh, he's actually closer to 18 carries a game. And again, it's situational well, I'm, football. I'm looking at, I'm looking at PF, uh, Pro Football Reference right now, 15.9 attempts per game. Yes, because it shows that he played 14 games. One of those games he suited up and didn't play. So, no, well, no, that was the Colts game. He he didn't start that game because he got suspended in the first half, a first quarter. Okay. Okay, I can't defend this anymore. You know, right, I think there's really, I think now. there's really smart analytics out there. I've always defended analytics. I always did when I was at NFL Network, but I do think there's an overreach where people look at numbers on a page and I really like pro football focus. I do. But my gosh, sometimes like we're we're starting to use pro football focus the way card if you're in the baseball cards, people use Beckett like it's the it's the gospel and you know, Beckett is just some arbitrary price guide, you know, it's um, I know I'm speaking close to your heart right now because you're very familiar with Beckett, you know, yeah, and you I, go to a card store and you want to buy a card, right? What happens? What's the, what's the kid behind the counter do? Yeah, he looks up uh, the value of that Beckett, right? In the yes. Beckett magazine. Yes. The eyeball test will clearly tell you that Tony Pollard's better, uh, more explosive, but the eyeball test will also tell you uh, if you're looking at formations and the kind of personnel and in down and distance and game situation, which is analytics of a different kind. So I guess I'm just I'm a proponent of analytics of both raw number determination and also uh, situational football. So I guess I'm more of a fan of complete analytics than what I think is of just kind of surface analytics there. Yeah. OK, I, I've said my piece um, so that we can argue some more about all this. Marcus and I went over all the quarterbacks this year and we agreed, I think that the majority of the quarterbacks in the NFL this year are having down years. Would you say that's fair? Or at least a, a large portion of them, right? There, there's a small percentage that are kind of even Steven what they are last year. There's mm-hmm. a small percentage that are head, but I would say the majority of the quarterbacks, at least half of the quarterbacks in the league, I've had down years. So we went through and ranked and just kind of redid our top 10 because we haven't done this since before the season. Um, and uh, any, any thoughts on this? I was going to kind of give. Yeah, let's my do it. Let's, let's do top 10. Top 10. But, let's do it. So am I allowed to cheat I'll, and do tiers or do I actually have to rank these guys? You no, know, no, you can do tiers. So I guess I'll, I'll throw out some names here that, that I would see how it could kind of loosely go. Um, I would have one as Patrick Mahomes still. 
in a tier uh, by himself. Yeah, I'd have Josh Allen at two because of his running ability, even though he still makes some of the kind of wild plays you wish you could rein in at times. Um, this is where it gets tricky. I think Mahomes, Allen, one, two, I think is pretty easy because of the running ability, because Joe Burrow at three just doesn't have that extra dimension. Would you agree with that so far? That ranking or putting yes. out? I, I, I disagree a little bit. I, okay. I would have Justin Herbert at number two. Even though he's been pretty inconsistent this year. Yes, I would. I think okay. because of you got to remember the situation, right? He's lost three offensive tackles now. Keenan Allen missed the first, what, 11 games of the year. Mike Williams had a high ankle sprain and had a shoulder injury and missed most of the year. They were throwing the ball to Gerald Everett a lot, which is never a good thing. <laughs> and he's been able to get that team into the playoffs. So I, I would put Herbert at number two. Okay. Uh, I would have Allen to Burrow three, Herbert four. Would it, we just be it, clear? I think that's that's a tier, right? I think that's I think that's a little bit like pick your preference on your style. But I Herbert Allen Burrow are the next clear three for me in some order. Okay, now this is where it gets really tricky. Uh, I'm I'm going to just kind of uh, throw out an order, um, but it's there's so many different things to factor in here. So you've got Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson. Trevor Lawrence and Aaron Rodgers. I think that's the next group of quarterbacks. Um, I the here's the tricky part. Hurts. It's still a little bit of a limited data size, but he's been so exceptional. Um, and then Aaron Rodgers. We don't know. And full disclosure, Marcus is not an Aaron Rodgers fan. <laughs> We just don't know. We I don't think we can say definitively yet. Would you say this is fair? We can't say definitively yet if he's hit that wall. In other words, is this yeah. just a bad year and he's going to come back at 40 and have kind of a Brett Favre year? Uh, or is is he kind of, are we seeing it? You know, is I know. You, you want to give him at least some of the benefit of the doubt, right? He's coming off two MVP seasons. Yes. There have been games where he's looked good and sometimes there's even just been half cities look good so i'm fine putting him in this tier until we get a little bit more data also should mention his best lineman has been out he's been playing with young receivers including one who very famously had didn't really pick up the offense and has come on as of late christian watson uh, he lost his best receiver in the offseason it's been a little bit of a, a tough deal for him but i would probably put it this way for right now, just for right now, Marcus, I would probably go uh, Hertz, Rogers, or Rogers Hertz. So that'd be five and six. Lamar Jackson behind them because he's just getting hurt too much. Mm -hmm. Trevor Lawrence, eight. With the idea that Trevor Lawrence could pass all these guys in as little as five games. That's fine. I would put Dak in that tier. I would call that tier three, right behind tier one, just Mahomes, tier two, Allen, Herbert, Burrow, and then tier three being Jalen Hurts because Hurts is having a really nice year. 
Dak has had very similar years, right? Like he, Dak has had very, very good years. He's had the number one offense multiple years in a row. Hertz is having the better season, but I think he, I think those guys belong in the same tier now. So I would have Dak at nine. Okay. Now I had Dak at 11. Did I have him at 11 or 12? I think I had him at 11 when we started the year. Didn't we? Around there. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dak at nine. I remember there was that article that came out with the GMs. I know they had him at 11 and I think mm-hmm. I was in lockstep with them. I have Dak and Kirk Cousins in a tier. Uh, I have Dak ahead of Kirk Cousins, though. So I have Dak 9 and Kirk 10. Why do I not have Dak and Kirk uh, with the other guys? I think Trevor Lawrence is just a better player at this point. I think the upside is higher with him. Um, I've You've partially been the one that's turned me on there to, to Trevor Lawrence, and you were like, dude, like really pay attention to the way he's playing. Uh, kind of like I have to do with you with Ezekiel Elliott. But uh, the thing that Hurts has that Dak doesn't have is that running ability. Right. And when you run the ball more, you don't score as many points, which makes your offense look less effective if you go by the numbers. But in fact, I'd rather score 26 a game than 31 a game and salt away games. To be fair, the Eagles are, the I think, the number one or number two scoring offense in the league. So they are putting up a lot of points. Right. I'm just saying if I had my choice, I'll take the eighth scoring offense that can salt away a game versus the number one scoring offense that has too many giveaways, for example. Um, Okay. Hertz has had such a great year. I think I've seen enough. Um, Lamar Jackson, we, I mean, he's a, he's an astronaut, man. He's, he's, or an alien. He's, I know you're doing tiers. It's almost like he's in his own tier. I don't even know who to compare him style wise. Right. Yes. There's a point where Lamar Jackson can take away everything you do defensively in a manner that none of these guys can, Mm -hmm. including Hertz. Um, I think Trevor Lawrence is a little bit better passer than Dak and more mobile. So that only leaves Rogers. And again, I'm, I'm for right now, just for now, I'm considering Rodgers two MVPs. He would be the quickest one to fall out of this group for me, which would mean Dak would come up to eight, and then you'd have to debate Kirk Cousins and Aaron Rodgers, but I think I would take Kirk Cousins if we're getting this kind of Aaron Rodgers. Um, How how do you see that? First of all, I think those are the right names, right? And how you feel about those guys, I think you can switch them. I don't think any of these guys belong inside the top four. I don't think any of them belong outside the top ten. So you were just – trying to find spots for them. Um, I think Lawrence has so of all these quarterbacks, he's got the highest ceiling, right? He's just, yes, there's not a lot that he can't do, right? He can run, he can throw some over routes. He can throw the deep ball. He just needs to play more and get better at processing stuff and seeing what defenses are going to bring. He's just not as good as some of these guys pre-snap, but if I'm betting on one of these guys over the next three years, it's Lawrence over everybody else. Yeah. I think the most arguable for, for like, I, so I'm kind of giving my structure and then you're, you're kind of, you know, commenting on it, picking it apart. I, I think the most arguable one would be taking Lawrence over Dak more than Rogers right now, because Lawrence has also kind of like hurts a limited catalog. Mm-hmm. But I also think it's a little unfair to just automatically put Dak over Kirk Cousins because Kirk Cousins in the fourth quarter this year has just been phenomenal, just mm-hmm. phenomenal, and he's a really good player. I just think I'd player. rather have I'd rather have Dak right now. 
Um, it's not I, a slight I, at Kirk Cousins at all. Like Kirk is having no. a really, really good year. So I'm siding with Trevor Lawrence a little bit over Dak on potential, and I think he's a little better thrower. Um, I'm siding with Dak over Kirk Cousins. I think Dak's leadership uh, is uh, fantastic, and I think he's been a little bit more consistent player than Kirk Cousins so far. There is one guy that may belong in this kind of tier. If you put Lawrence and Dak and Kirk Cousins in a grouping together, I'm not saying he belongs there, but it's really hard to tell with Matt Stafford. He yeah. came into the season yeah. with elbow tendonitis. Uh, the injuries now, what is it? Uh, uh, didn't he get concussed a few weeks ago? And mm-hmm. then he's had like three different ailments this year. But this guy did have a great year last year. He did win the Super Bowl. We've seen it before. And I don't know that he's at the age yet, Marcus, that we can say, yeah, he's Matt Ryan at this point. Like he's not able to quite get it done. What's your take on Matt Stafford? Mm. That's really hard because last year he puts up big numbers and uh, struggles at the end of the year. And even in the playoff game, like playoff games, he had some moments where he looked really good against the 49ers. He struggled for a little bit. He's a big like TBD. I feel like we need to see a little bit more, but. I think the hard part is like, do you put him ahead of like Tom Brady at this point? Cause I think I'd rather have Brady. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, I was going to ask you if we agreed that the top 10 is in some order, Mahomes, Allen, uh, Burrow and Herbert, uh, Hertz, Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, Trevor Lawrence, Dak Prescott, and Kirk cousins. If that's our top 10 with a couple little moves here and there, you can move Herbert up. Uh, Marcus thinks you'd probably put Dak over Lawrence or Rogers, potentially depending on a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if Lawrence takes a step back or if Rogers, if this really is it, Kirk cousins, unfortunately bringing up the caboose there, maybe you could argue him versus Dak and Lawrence. That's a tough one. Um, you, you have those guys. If we put Matt Stafford at 11, just for argument's sake. Okay. Just for argument's sake. Brady 12 or some order like that. What's the next group? So you got Stafford and Brady 11, 12. It's like a fantasy draft, right? You're in a 12 team league. All right. So I'll I'll give you the candidates. I'll give you the candidates. You're at the turn. You're at the fantasy turn. You just took Stafford at 12. Who are you taking at 13? Before we get to the draft, what's clear is this is a huge drop off, right? Okay. Even though we don't love Brady playing this year, Going down to this next group is wild. Is it Deshaun Watson? Uh, I'd I don't say no know anymore. He is not. Look, I mean, the only reason that we consider him is because of what he did in 2019 and 2020. But based on what we saw this year, he shouldn't be near that list. I think I could tell you who we thought it used to be right here, too. He's had a terrible year. Derek Carr. Derek Carr was right at this kind of 12, 13, as was Kyler Murray. And those guys had really bad years. And it's why I still think Derek Carr is going to have a lot of trade value because you take a team like the Jets, who if they just had the 13th best quarterback in the league, they might have 11 wins already. You know, even as uninspiring as Carr has been this year. I kind of took over the top 10 a little bit. Let's rank them. So you have Brady 11, Stafford 12. Your snake draft, you're up at 13. Who are you taking? Kyler. 
<laughs> Boy, that is the most unconfident. I was debating this last night with somebody like, okay, do you take Kyler or do you take Derek Carr? Do you take Tua? Do you take Justin Fields? And it's like, man, I, there's so much about Kyler, like leadership wise and off the field that makes you nervous. But in terms of pure talent, he's got to be the next one, right? I mean, that was such a uh, a week of I mean, badge I know. of approval. I know I, it's just so. I think I he mean, would have had more support if it was like a, we uh, we're going to start Zeke at uh, under center <laughs> this week. He's got a lot of value for what we're paying him. Uh, 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 we're high. I mean, I I so want to put Tua there, but after the game he had last week and now having the third concussion, it's like how can you? Okay, so let's so let's so let's go. Kyler thirteen. You're going to go Derek Carr fourteen, or you're going to go Fine. Tua? That's fine. Derek Carr, Derek 14. Carr. Yeah. Two of 15. Sure. Okay. Now we have to get it. I think, uh, boy, I sound like lumber. We get think, Gino or the, the Bobs. Well, that's where I was going to go. Gino and Jared Goff have both had really fine seasons. Uh, I'd say Gino has been a little bit more consistent in terms of his splits. Mm-hmm. Jared Goff, when he's been hot, has been better than Gino. So it's, it's kind of what, what do you want? Do you want, the consistency, do you want that guy that occasionally just has been lights out? I it's tough. I think with Gino, we haven't seen it before. Whereas Jared Goff, we've at least seen a high level of play with the Rams when he was with Sean McVay. So we know he responds to good coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- which one are you gonna go there? And go either way. I think I'd go Gino, to be honest. Okay, so Gino sixteen, Jared Goff seventeen. Yeah, those feel interchangeable. Yeah, what's up? What's up at eighteen? This is where it's we're now we're, we're <laughs> that's almost a tier. You this know? is where I would take Justin Fields. Yeah, I'm with you. The running ability is dynamic. There have been times this year where he's put the ball on the money and his receivers let him down. The Washington Thursday night game comes into mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, that deal, but we've seen Justin Fields make some big time plays. I'm fine with him at 18. Okay, at 19, um, we still haven't put Deshaun Watson down. So now it's it's just so insulting, Deshaun Watson. But I don't care. It's Ryan Tannehill, Brock Purdy, Jimmy Garoppolo, Daniel Jones, Andy Dalton, I, Russell Wilson. I think you have to put Deshaun Watson down here I, I, at 19. Uh, what was the first name you dropped there? The very first. Oh, Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill. I think I think I would have Tannehill 20. Uh, I, he's been banged up. He hasn't had his best year. I would put Tannehill right there. So now we're in the uh, <laughs> now we're in the really tough range. Russell Wilson. Brock Purdy hasn't played enough. Yeah. Well, it's not included him now. Um, I got a question for you. Going forward. Yeah. Going forward. Do you rather have Russell Wilson or Mac Jones? Russell Wilson. There's some things with Mac Jones. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what he's doing. And I like Mac Jones. I've liked him since he came out. Right. But I'm gonna I'll go Russell 21. You got a problem with that one? No, I I, I got more of these for you. Okay. Russell Great. Wilson or Gardner Minshew. I'm gonna go Russell. I'm gonna go Russell. Yeah. All right. Russell Wilson or Daniel Jones? I'm going to go Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson or Andy Dalton? I'm going to go Russell Wilson. All right. So you still have a little bit of faith in Russell. I do. I do. So. All right. One more. One more. Yeah. Russell Wilson, Baker Mayfield. 
Ooh, I don't know. Because I know there are Baker haters out there, and, uh, you know, I get it. But he's played pretty well with the Rams. He was the number one draft pick for a reason. Now, a number one overall pick. Maybe he shouldn't have been number one overall pick, Marcus. Maybe he should have gone 10, you know, or 12 or whatever. He still has that pedigree. Um, yeah, I think I would go. But but we can't go with Baker because we've already used a Rams quarterback. So uh, so who we take? Yeah, so, so we go Russell Wilson at 21. Who are we going at 22? I'll take Daniel Jones there. Daniel Jones at 22. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, oh, boy. I mean, Matt Ryan is. I'd rather have Matt Jones like, than Matt Ryan. Yeah. Okay. So if we put Matt Jones at 23, uh, 24, how about Kenny Pickett as a consideration? Ooh, some Kenny Pickett. No, I'm just throwing out some names we haven't named yet. Mike White, we have not named yet. Uh, he's looked pretty good. Um, I, look, Darnold? I know it's my, I know it's Mike White, but we're talking about the twenty fourth. I think I'd really have Mike White than Sam Darnold. From what I have seen, uh, I just haven't yeah. seen Sam Darnold uh, play to that level. Jimmy Garoppolo. And he's, I don't think we've seen enough of Mike White to put him over Jimmy Garoppolo. I think Jimmy Garoppolo at twenty four is a good call. Okay. Uh, okay, twenty five. Mm. Dalton, I think, comes into play here. Uh, Carson Wentz? No, I'm just out on Carson Wentz, man. You're out on Carson Wentz? No, I'll take take Andy Dalton. We've already used a Ravens quarterback. Yeah, those are the Uh, rules. Marcus Mariota? Uh, No, and they're playing Ritter right now anyway. I just man, want to oh, stop. Man. This is not fun. I don't want to write these. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So there you go. We've got our, we've got our basic uh, top 10. It'd be interesting what you guys think of that. Um, you know, it's just remarkable though. When you, when you start going through it, you realize how many of these guys look how much trouble Marcus and I had picking the 13th best quarterback mm-hmm. and at 11 and 12, which normally would be, you know, really good players. Right. We've mm-hmm. got Matt Stafford, who we don't know what to expect and was not having a good year this year, and Tom Brady, who's maybe had the worst year of his career this year. Um, and we don't even know if he's going to play next year, although you think he's going to be the starter for the Raiders. So that shows you guys right there like how difficult difficult this is. I, I got one more question for you before we leave. Okay. Let's imagine that you have an established – starting quarterback um who's maybe getting a little bit older he's like age 36 37 and you're looking for a backup quarterback i'm going to name you some backup quarterbacks you tell me which one would be the most intriguing for you to either what like position is my team in uh you're like a 11 and 16 every year okay so i'm the cowboys <laughs> no i'm okay. thinking of like uh i'm trying to think of a team that has a quarterback that's like in their mid 30s now um all the rams matter. Sure. All right. I'll give you the names. Ready? Jacoby Brissett, Andy Dalton, Jimmy Garoppolo, Baker Mayfield, Cooper Rush, Sam Darnold, Tyler Huntley, Mike White, Teddy Bridgewater, Gardner Minshew. Which of those guys would you make the priority to go out and sign? Okay. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of waffle here a little bit, but if I've got, 
if I've got good running backs and I, a pretty decent defense, just decent, like enough to keep me in games, I'm going out and get Jacoby Brissett. I think that's the right answer. If you, if you don't need a guy to develop, right? Yes. If I'm, if I've got a team that needs a veteran quarterback, like veteran leadership, like I need a Josh McCown type player, um, I'm going to go get Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, that's who I'm going to go get. You know, if I, I need a guy that needs to help tutor one of my young guys that I know is not going to put me in bad situations, I'm, I'm going to go get Teddy Bridgewater. But Those would be use, my answers. Let's use like the Vikings, right? Like okay. the Vikings are looking to upgrade the backup quarterback. Do you go out and get somebody like your Brissett or – do you go with somebody a little bit younger that has more upside, like a Mike White or a Baker Mayfield? I don't get Baker Mayfield. I don't want to do anything to upset that locker room. And I don't, you know, everything I've heard about Baker from Carolina and the Rams is good. Um, but I, I don't think that's the answer there. Okay. I think with a team like Minnesota, you've got a, a somewhat veteran team uh, with some of their defensive players and Adam Thielen, you know, Harrison Smith, uh, uh, Dalvin Cook, so on and so forth. Uh, even Justin Jefferson's going to be in year four next year. I think it'd be great, honestly, if Teddy Bridgewater went back there and was the backup. I think that would actually It'd work out fit, really man. nicely. Yes, uh, I like that one. Um, well, that's a tough question, though. Is are you surprised that that I said Jacoby Brissett? No, because I think I think Brissett's year this year really improved his stock a lot around the NFL, a lot. It's just unfortunate, you know, he he made some uncharacteristic mistakes for him. He's just not a stupid mistake guy and he he made one against the Chargers in the red zone late in the yeah. game where they could have gone up two scores that really hurt them. Uh, let me swing back and say something though because I always feel like I'm taking the side against analytics uh whenever we talk about these things. I just try to defend both sides. And so when I was at NFL Network, I often defended analytics because I worked with all football players and they thought analytics were for nerds. Um, I like analytics. I just sometimes I wish people would look a little bit more at game situation, uh, like actually watching the game. But I get it. I also get it. It's really hard to be a really solid analytics person and watch every game because it's hard to watch every game, man. It's just you can't have eyeballs on everything. And so you rely on what data you have. And by and large, I do think Pro Football Focus does a really good job, a really good job. Mm-hmm. Is it fair to say I just wish people wouldn't lean on it so much to where it's like their only source of their opinions? As somebody who works at PFF, I think you should only use PFF to form your opinions. <laughs> uh, you should go subscribe. They got a deal right now uh, for next year. Go check it out. Okay, if you were going to pick a second to PFF, uh, what what do you think is the best thing someone can do? Watch condensed thirty minute yeah, games. Yeah, go, on the go to app? actually you, or, uh, YouTube has it now. You can even just go watch fifteen minute highlights and recaps that are pretty good. They give you the the biggest plays in a game. It's a pretty good way to watch them if you want. If you did have a chance to watch every game, you can buzz right through them on a Monday morning. I would also say if you guys don't use it, I, I know my brother didn't even wasn't even aware of Pro Football Reference. If y'all have never gone to Pro Football Reference, because Marcus and I mentioned it, it's Pro Dash Football Dash, right? Isn't it two dashes reference dot com? And they've got some stat engine tools, but it's pretty cool when you see like, oh man, Troy Aikman's numbers weren't very good, or whoever's numbers weren't very good. You can look and compare them to their peers, and you'll see actually how good. Uh, they were, but it's a great, great website. It's got a really easy interface too. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's pleasing to look at. 
Um, that's where Marcus pulls all the numbers from that he deep sixes me with all the time. Yeah, so, like 3.9 yards per carry by Zeke Elliott this year. That one, you can find that on Pro Football Reference. <laughs> yes. My gosh. Oh. Just uh, We got to go. We got to go. We got to go. I, but no, please, I'm not going to let that be your last word. Please have a different last word than yeah. Zeke Elliott's uh, yard. I hope carry. everybody has a fantastic New Year's uh, Eve and New Year's Day watching uh, the college football playoffs and the NFL. But go watch Ocean's Eleven, the best New Year's Eve movie of all time. Is that right? Yeah. I'm going to go uh, retire under a rock where my minority opinion, Zeke Elliott, uh, <laughs> people don't know how tough it I is. That rocket uh, average, 3.9 yards of carry. If you played fifth grade football, you would understand how hard it is. <laughs> I'm going to take my stupid opinions and <laughs> go my stupid opinions and go home. Uh, I've been hearing the saying a lot. Yeah, they play with their food too much this year. Uh, so maybe I was playing with my food this podcast. How about high variance co- players? Is is Zeke yeah, a high variance player? No, no, he's consistent. Uh, apparently, consistently bad, according to you. Uh, were the Cowboys playing with their food Thursday? Night? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. All right. I said that good. at the the watch party. I was at. And somebody said, "Is that Mike Tomlin over there?" Like, oh, thanks. I, I just used a, a Tomlinism. Uh, you see, you know, when I when I criticize like too much analytics or whatever, I try to be very fair and measured. Boy, when you take shots at like Mike Tomlin or whatever, you don't care. You're, I, you're... It wasn't me that took a shot. It was somebody else that's watched the game with. So, yeah. Yeah. By the way, I, I haven't asked you why are you out or in on Ravens culture? Oh, I'm out. I might be back in <laughs> if they win on Sunday night, but I, we'll see. They just don't do All anything right. well at offense. No, they don't, and they've got a huge game in Cincinnati uh, week 18. That will be something else, especially if Cincinnati wins against Buffalo. We'll see what happens with that. By the way, if you didn't uh, listen to it, yesterday we did our – actually, Wednesday we did our picks podcast, and so we picked all the games there. Marcus and I differed on Buffalo-Cincinnati, the only game with two winning teams this week. And then we apologize for not getting us out uh, last night or early yesterday, uh, Marcus had uh, locked on Cowboys to do because the Cowboys were playing Thursday night. Mm-hmm. So that's why we uh, and I didn't think about that when we were recording Wednesday. So apologies for getting this out late. Hope you guys all have a great weekend. Enjoy your football weekend. Enjoy bashing uh, Zeke and uh, throwing numbers in my face, Marcus. And <laughs> uh, did you get your basement fixed? Uh, we're getting there. Getting there. Okay. Very good. Still nice to see the Christmas tree in the background. Uh, Hope you guys have a healthy, happy weekend. We will talk to you on Monday night with the Power Rankings. Take care, everybody.